The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. And a special guest today, we're joined by David Lake of Inside the U to look ahead to a big game for both Texas A&M and Miami uh, down at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. Central. David, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andrew and Carter. I had Carter on on our podcast here so uh, yesterday, so it's good to do a little home and home here uh, before the big game. Looking forward to it and seeing. I think both these teams are totally different than last year's matchup, which to me, makes this game even more interesting beyond the fact how important it is for, for both these programs. No doubt. Starting there, it, it, I know at least on the A&M side, they're, they're, this is kind of a really big game to see where they are um, after a lot of changes in the offseason. Miami in, this, in the same way, but they're, they're in year two under Mario Cristobal. So what, what do you think is the magnitude of this game from a Miami standpoint, given where um, they are under Mario Cristobal? Yeah, I think, you know, from a Miami standpoint, it's it's more about an opportunity to potentially get some momentum going here because, you know, we're, we're early on in Mario's tenure, but uh, there's no doubt that last year was unacceptable going five and seven in his first year. And I think, you know, you all give a coach a little bit of slack in a year one situation, uh, but in year two, it's, it's kind of time to show some results. And I think in year two, it's, it's also time to get a signature win, whatever that means. And obviously, Texas A&M is a big brand name in college football. They have a very talented roster. Miami fans know Jimbo Fisher very well from his Florida State days. So the way I, I see it is this is an opportunity for Miami to try and show they belong as a top 25-ish team and, uh, and try and generate some momentum mainly in the recruiting trail, because that's kind of where the program is at right now. It's kind of in a talent acquisition phase of program building because Mario wants to improve the depth and talent of the roster. And you go out, 
and, and try and beat a team like Texas A&M. If you are able to beat a team like Texas A&M, I think that helps you sell your vision uh, to the recruits you're chasing. No doubt. And Gabby's got that full list over on Inside the U. It's a it's a big list and, and shaping up to be a lot of big names there. Carter? Yeah, David, uh, going back to what you were talking about, just how different this, this game's going to be. I mean, from the Miami standpoint, they didn't have Restrepo last year against A&M. They, uh, <clears throat> they had Will Mallory. They don't, don't have him this time. But, like, new coordinators – Tyler Van Dyke, is he going to be 21? Is he going to be 22? Tyler Van Dyke, I have so many questions about this Miami team going into the game, just how different they will be compared to last year. So what differences have you seen just from this team that that you can see clearly compared to last year? Yeah, I mean, it, if we're talking about just A&M game to A&M game year over year, it is, it's like a totally different team beyond, like Tyler's still the quarterback. Henry Parrish is probably still the number one running back, but the rest of the running back crew is different at Miami year over year for the most part. Uh, you mentioned the coordinator changes, the approaches that both those coordinators ha- have brought, totally different approaches. You know, Shannon Dawson brings a spread offense with some air raid elements to it. That's a totally different style of offense than what Josh Gaddis installed last year. Uh, and then defensively, uh, coordinator Lance Guidry much more aggressive, much more creative w- with what he wants to do with his blitz packages and coverages on the back end compared to what Kevin Steele was doing last year at Miami. So uh, I know they feel like internally that these coordinators are better fits uh, from a personality standpoint in terms of how they relate to players, but also to just how their schemes fit their current personnel. And I would agree with that, especially on offense. Um, but but the personnel is also totally different. You mentioned Restrepo. That was a big blow for Miami going into that Texas A&M game last year. Um, but, but Miami's number one wide receiver this year is Colby Young, and he was kind of like an unknown guy. He hadn't really played much um, at this point in the season last year. He kind of emerged midway through the season. So um, that's a different wrinkle. You're right about Will Mallory this year, tight ends. I mean, that's kind of a position where, honestly, I think we're going to probably see more four wide than we see like a pass catching tight end out there. And uh, defensively, you know, I was looking at some of the snap counts, like linebacker, totally different year over year. Last year's linebackers, I think it's fair to say, weren't power five level linebackers. This year, they have, they brought in some transfers. You got Francisco Maui Noah. KJ Cloyd, uh, they definitely looked the part, bigger, more physical linebackers. The defensive line, totally different in terms of the starters. Like Leonard Taylor was a backup last year. I think he played maybe 15 snaps or so. So he's going to play a much bigger role in this year's game. And then the corners are also very interesting to me. To me, like they're the most interesting position group in this game this year. Last year, it was DJ Ivy and Tyreek Stevenson. Both guys were NFL draft picks. Uh, Tyreek going in the second round and DJ going in the seventh. This year, I don't know if they have NFL draft type players in terms of the older guys, um, but I do think they have depth. I think they have more options to throw at wide receiver groups and see which guys match up best against certain types of receivers. Um 
but the talent level is not at the same uh, situation as it was last year with DJ and Tyreek. So totally different team year over year, not only in schematic approach, but also personnel. And honestly, those are the type of changes that happen, right? After you go five and seven and in an uncompetitive five and seven, it wasn't like a five and seven where Miami was losing one score games. It was a five and seven where you're losing 45 to 31 to middle Tennessee state. So drastic changes were needed and, uh, and Mario Cristobal delivered them. Yeah, David, looking at more at that wide receiver room, I feel like it was such a big story in last year's game. Looking at that, you mentioned not having Xavier Restrepo. What is the outlook for that room? Do, does Miami know yet, or is, are they kind of looking at this game to maybe figure out what they kind of have in that room? I think we'll know. I think they're better. What is their ceiling? I think we'll find out during slash after this game. I think Colby Young can be a guy who's like an 800-yard receiver guy for for a season. Is he a straight-up wide receiver? Like, to me, wide receiver one is you need a guy to go out and make a play. Everyone in the stadium knows you're going to him, and he goes out and makes it, right? Is Colby Young that guy? We're going to find out. Um, I think he is their best option to be that guy. And he brings some some matchup elements that are tough. He's 6'5". He's pretty fast for his size. Um, so he has some ability. Xavier Restrepo is just like your Mr. Consistent slot guy. I don't know if he's a guy that will take over a game necessarily, but he's kind of that security blanket for Tyler. And then the other wide receiver spot is kind of a, you know, we'll see how they perform. Jacoby George, a guy who hasn't really shown it yet, uh, but, but everyone inside the program likes his potential. And then there's Tyler Harrell who at this point is kind of a journeyman. He, he was at Louisville. He had a crazy explosive showing uh, his last year at Louisville there, averaging 30 yards a catch. Uh, he's a 4-2-40 guy. Went to Alabama last year, had some, had some injuries, I believe, to his foot, and, and so never really got on track there. And now he's at Miami. Didn't play a big role here this past week in game one. I am curious if he's a guy they give a bigger role to because – to me, you, to be at a team like Texas A&M, you gotta you gotta have a threat in the deep passing game, and to me, he is their top deep threat with his speed um, and ability to get behind a secondary. There are drops issues there at times with Tyler, but I would still take that speed threat. Um, you know, considering the drop issues might pop up at times, I think that speed threat overrides those issues. So. You know, is Miami's wide receiver group where it needs to be? No, it's a group that needs to improve through recruiting. Um, But I do think this system will do a better job of getting the most out of them. Whereas last year's system, I think it asked a lot of that group. And uh, against a team like Texas A&M, they really, they didn't perform much at all in that game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the, the guy getting those guys the ball, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, because uh, he's kind of a, I don't know, a mystery if is the right way to put it, but just yeah. what he did in 2021, especially, you know, ending that season was very impressive. And he, I think he won ACC Rookie of the Year. He goes into the next season. I think Devin Leary, Devin Leary was preseason AC, ACC Player of the Year, but like Tyler Van Dyke was kind of in the mix of like that consideration. And then 
things just went as poorly as you could imagine for him last year. And I know he was hurt some, uh, the new coordinator, new coaching staff. I know that that had to be a struggle. The receiving core wasn't where it needed to be. But going into this year, what difference do you see in him? And then also talking about that that Miami-Ohio game, it seems pretty dink and dunk. I know he's got the, the thing on his finger, but uh, I know Mario Cristobal also said, hey, it's, it was what the defense was giving us. So it wasn't anything kind of uh, saying that that's what our offense is going to be this year. So anyway, long-winded way of asking, what do you make of TVD? What differences do you see in him this year? And uh, what do you think you can expect from him in this game? Yeah, I, I do think this offense better suits him as a quarterback. And, you know, just a little bit we've seen, like we, we were able to watch a scrimmage in fall camp and he did look better in that scrimmage compared to what we saw last season. And I agree in game one, you know, it was a lot of quick game, short passes. Um, and, you know, I, I think there might be something to that uh, explanation that Mario Cristobal grave in terms of we're, we're taking what the defense gives us. Um, but that's not going to be good enough in this Texas A&M matchup. You're going to have to test them deep. And in terms of like how much is the, so it's a thumb issue, but he does have a tape slash, I don't even know how to describe it. He, he's got some sort of tape thing on his pointer finger to give it stability as he's holding a football, right? So we're going to find out how much that is really affecting his ability to push the ball deep in this Texas A&M game, because actions, you guys know this with, with, you know, in, in football coaches at press conferences, coaches really tell us what they think by what they put on the field. And so if it's another situation where Tyler is, is continuing to work the quick game or the short passing game, I think we're then going to know like, okay, this, this thumb thing is really affecting his ability to push the ball deep. Um, I do think, you know, look, I, I think in some ways, just watching game one in person, there was a little bit of zip that missing compared to the Tyler we've seen in the past, um, which makes sense because, you know, look, I, I think no quarterback is going to want to tape their pointer finger up. Uh, that would be, that would make things difficult. Right. And so there is something to that situation. Um, but overall, I mean, look, I do think Tyler's a, ta a talented player. It's unfortunate that he's now dealing with this thumb thing uh, because I do think he was poised to be a productive player this year. Now, you know, going into last year, he was getting a lot of first-round pick buzz and all that. Is he that guy? I would say we probably know that he's not. But I do think he's a guy that can potentially get drafted late in the in the rounds of, you know, five, six, seven rounds. I think he's got a big arm. I think he's pretty accurate. And, um, you know, again, unfortunately, he's dealing with the thumb thing. He's had some bad luck here between the shoulder injury last year and now the thumb thing. But everyone around Tyler uh, that I speak to kind of says he's fine. So they don't even make the excuse of the thumb thing for him. So, I'm curious. I know I'm curious. Like, how much is this whole thing going to affect him in this Texas A&M game? Is it an issue, or is it an issue where he can still play ninety percent and be effective? A lot more to get to with David Lake from Inside the U. We're going to take a quick break and and come back and dive into a little more in the some defensive standouts as well. So 
stay with us. If you listen to us on YouTube, uh, hang with us where we'll be right back um, with more from David Lake. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back into the Gang Home 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined again by David Lake and Carter Carls. David, wanted to ask you, one of the guys I think is so fascinating on this defense is Cameron Kitchens and and really kind of makes that defense go. Uh, what makes him so effective? Where have you seen him kind of grow as a, as a player, maybe over the last year or so? His best trait, I think, is his instincts. He he definitely sees it. He's He puts in a lot of work uh, in, in film study. And it definitely translates to the field. He he prides himself on, on kind of being able to read and know where quarterbacks want to go with the ball. And uh, that that was a big reason why he had six interceptions last year. He also has he has good ball skills too. So when he when he gets himself in position to pick off a pass, generally speaking, he's he's coming down with it. So he's also kinda I think people around the program would tell you like Maybe he's not the most overly vocal guy, but I do think he is the big leader in that locker room. Like w- when when something needs to be said, it's going to be Camp Kitchens that stands in front of the team and says it. So he's definitely the heartbeat of the team. And, and with this Lance Gidry defense, uh, everything runs through him now. Lance Gidry, his background is with coaching safeties. And so he wants his safeties to run the defense. And, and so Camp Kitchens is also kind of that, quarterback on the field uh, on the defensive side so he's definitely a big piece of this defense I think last week you know just the way the game played out we didn't necessarily see Cam do much because they didn't really test him and uh, you know that's just the way the game played out but he's gonna have to come up big for Miami this week no doubt David I want to ask you a little bit more about the secondary because Going in this game, I just feel like you, you kind of touched on it earlier. The, the big matchup is these talented A and M receivers against these cornerbacks that aren't, aren't quite proven and, and are kind of filling some big shoes from last season. Do you think Miami has the confidence to put these guys on an island? Do you think there's going to be a rotation, and will it be something where you see a lot of safety help, and and, and they're just going to try to kind of limit that big play that you saw? with A&M against New Mexico? Personally, what I expect, I think Lance Guidry, for better or worse, is going to put his corners on islands and, you know, count count on them to cover in man. 
And if the wide receivers beat him, hopefully they get him on the ground quickly. From a Miami perspective, hopefully you get him on the ground quickly, line up, play the next play, tip your cap, all that good stuff. So I think that is the vision for this defense. And so I think they'll stick to that identity. Now, to your point, like Texas A&M, their receivers might make you want to change that approach. Um, But I'm expecting them to play man coverage, load the box, you know, maybe play some games on the back end with safeties, um, you know, show and blitz or, or what, uh, what not different coverages on, on the back end uh, with the safeties. But I do think they're going to count on these corners to, to play man coverage and, and see where the chips fall. So they do feel good about their pass rush, which I think their pass rush is quite good. Um, so I think they'll be counting on that to impact the game, the passing game for Texas A&M. But yeah, I mean, it's a group that, you know, I feel like is kind of a question mark going into this game. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they perform. I think, you know, in fall camp, they felt encouraged by the way those guys played. Uh, but Texas A&M brings a whole different challenge than what they see in practice. So um, it is, to me, again, I think it's the biggest matchup from a Miami perspective in terms of how are you going to find answers as to what Texas A&M brings to the field. David, who do you see as kind of X factors for Miami in this game? Either, you know, it could be offense, defense, but but who, who do you kind of see as some of those guys? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do think Colby, Colby Young has to show up in a big yeah. way. They're, they're wide receiver. Um, I think the offensive line, needs to show like I think if Miami wins this game I think Miami's offensive line has to clearly beat the Texas A&M defensive line is that possible we'll find out I mean I know Texas A&M has all that talent on the D-line um but for Miami to win this game I think they got to control the line of scrimmage they got to um you know churn the clock kind of shorten the game get the game to the fourth quarter let the chips fall where they fall in the fourth quarter, which kind of honestly is how the game played out last year. Miami just did not execute in the fourth quarter. They couldn't, they couldn't finish the game. So I think it'll be a higher scoring game than that this year, but from a Miami perspective, that's how they kind of want the game to play out. I think Miami wants it in the twenties. If it starts getting in the thirties, then Miami's probably in trouble. Uh, But in terms of X factors, I think offensive line, needs to win their one-on-ones there uh, on the line of scrimmage. And then defensively, you know, linebacker, I think, is a big area where Francisco Maui Noah can make an impact. I think they do need their pass rush to come up in a big way. They feel good about their entire two deep there from a pass rushing perspective on the defensive line. I think run defense uh, on the D-line is still, let's see. Um and then honestly, too, I don't know if you count a coach as an X factor, but I think if Miami somehow finds a way to win this game, I think Lance Guidry is going to be one of the people that's talked about in this game as like, wow, Miami made a big time defensive coordinator hire. So I think he's well respected in the industry. He's not quite a national name yet. Um, and if he's how somehow able to keep Miami in the game and somewhat contain an explosive Texas A&M offense. I think he will be thought of as an X factor that, that really performed at a high level in his role too. 
So, David, before we kind of wrap this up, kind of a random question I want to throw at you, but Kevin Steele, since he was at Miami last year, he's now the new defensive coordinator at Alabama. Alabama's yep. coming up in about a month for, for A&M. Obviously a big game. What went wrong for him last year? Is he kind of just one of those guys that was really good and now he's a little bit washed up or whatever you want to call it? And and do you expect him to find success? He's obviously going to have a lot of great players have success with at Alabama. Yeah, I to me, I think it's the most fair way to talk about that is to point to, to your last point there. I think there's no doubt that Miami's personnel last year on defense wasn't good enough. And, you know, look, I think still Kevin Steele underperformed. I think that is absolutely fair to say. Um, but the, the talent wasn't there last year. And, and Kevin Steele is used to working with very talented defensive personnel, which he now has at Alabama, you know, now that he's there. So, you know, look, I think it's kind of a, I mean, this is a cop-out maybe, but I think it's a both things can be true type of situation. Yes, I think the Miami defense vastly underperformed. Like, they allowed more than 40 points, I believe, in five games. That's unacceptable. Miami's defensive personnel is not that bad. Um, But... I do think he was working with players that just a lot of them weren't power five level type of players. Um, And and he, to his credit, he never complained about what he inherited. He knew what he inherited. Um, But I think too, like he's a defensive coordinator that needs talented personnel. He's not at, at this point in his career, he's not going to be the like creative mastermind of like overcoming personnel deficiencies with his scheme. He's just not that guy. So uh, he is going to be much, much better at Alabama schematically and because of the personnel he's working with at Alabama. And uh, I think we already, again, it was against Middle Tennessee State, but I think the results kind of show that too from the week one showing uh, from Alabama this past week. No doubt. Going to be a fascinating matchup this weekend. A big, I I think it's safe to say, one team's going to start feeling really good about the – you know, the way this season's heading and the other one's going to gonna have a really interesting time heading into conference play. So going to be a really interesting afternoon on Saturday. Be sure to stay tuned to GIGM247 and Inside the U for coverage from the Miami uh, standpoint. David, thanks so much for joining us and, and enjoy the weekend down there in South Florida. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. wonderful time of the year fantasy baseball draft season is upon us which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank sample six times per week throughout march sleepers breakouts busts live mock drafts spring training updates and everything in between every monday through saturday make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found